boom live from the artificially flavored apocalypse <laughs> i you could if i was a rapper i would go by terrible pun my name is dan o this is state of the game this is the 50th state of the game yeah. we did, we've done this this is what we've done um <laughs> And and the co-host has done it with me. With me, uh, has led many lives. Uh, it was a, a famous harmonica player, uh, the Panhandle. <laughs> he was an assassin who only killed pets. Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> K Diggy, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah. So this, you know. I think I've always thought of, of the situation as you liking pop music more than I do. Full stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Is that fair? I mean, you you have your you have your flavors that you like. You have your pop flavors that you like, but yeah, you don't dabble too much into the pop world like that. I I am I I have things I need from the pop world, right? I have. Mm -hmm. Things I like and expect from the pop world, um, but it's you know, I'm not, I'm not generally excited for pop, right? And I'm I, the things that I like about pop, I feel like are getting harder to find. Mm. I, I would agree with you. So this is this is you know the the sub uh, the this is. State of the Game Volume 50, pop music. You all right? That's the result of this. And I wanted to kind of give positive examples because I could go on here and tell you that I tried to listen to the new Nick Jonas album and that it was boring and I couldn't get through more than five songs. Wow. Because I think it's... And it was you got worst. five songs in. I'm, I mean, I'm impressed you got five songs in. It's the worst kind of review I can get, right? That um, I wasn't mad about it. It was, it was so generic that it felt like a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Right? It was kind of dance music, but not. It was kind of R&B, but not. Right? right? It was kind of pop, but not. Like, it, I was just like, I don't know. I don't think that... Like, and there's a, like, basically my, you can correct me on this. You know more about the Jonas Boys than I do. <laughs> brothers, Jonas Brothers, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jonas Gentlemen, maybe, I don't know. Um, so the, they have like three songs you need, right? That are just jams. Mm -hmm. and the rest of it, they kind of don't have an inventive bone in their body. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're productive. They're more known for their group project than their than their solo efforts. Right. But even a lot of their group projects are like, I'll find some good songs, but a lot of it is they just don't switch up. Yeah. They, just don't, they don't give you new looks and or I mean there's a formula. With yeah, pop, you know, a there's a formula. And they right, and they adhere to it. And that is my concern. My concern is that pop will become an algorithm 
right? Mm-hmm. It'll become like this production, right? This kind of uh, Max Martin Taylor Swift production plus insert good young voice, right? Yep. And the rest is dance moves, you know, like uh, and stage show. And it, and that's depressing for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I picked three pop albums that I admire and um, because I wanted to talk about each of them kind of has something that I want pop music to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the three albums are Tazjan, Tazjan, Tazjan by Aaron Lee Tazjan. <laughs> LW by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And I got to do this right here. The Moon and the Stars, colon, Prescriptions. <laughs> by valerie june by valerie june valerie june exactly exactly sorry uh but yes so the all, all these three they have things that i want pop music to have um and they it's i i want them to get support and love and to be out there um so that we can kind of break up the algorithm mm-hmm. uh, yeah so i don't want the distance between artsy vanguard and what's on the radio i i get worried when it widens like this you know yeah i get worried i i mean you're right there there's been a shift i mean in the 90s like a lot of the songs you know that were pop songs were still pretty you know, so I, I think I feel like in the 90s, like the the blur, the line between, you know, alternative music and pop music was kind of blurred. Right. Uh, so like a lot like, you know, a lot of the pop songs on the radio were like quite good songs in themselves. But yep. like, like you said, now nowadays, like. You have the song has to adhere to a certain formula for it to be on any pop radio station. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent. And it's so, and, and I was thinking of it because I was, you know, I didn't watch the Grammys, but I I watched, I watched chunks of stuff, you know, on YouTube clips or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I thought of something and I wanted to ask you if you agreed. So, if I was just to ask you, Cole, who is the most inventive pop star right now? Ooh. Okay. Now, what do you mean? What do you mean by inventive? How would you define inventive? Uh, I mean, creative, influential, successful, right? successful as pop stars are but creative always doing new things going in new directions kind of and some of this is anticipation right some of this right. is like, what are they going to do next you know i you know for me i'm gonna go i mean i think for me i think the two top two people right now in pop are 
I, I want to say, because, so I'll preface this by saying, I think a lot of pop has blurred in the R&B territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, right. so I think the best pure pop right now are probably, probably Dua Lipa and uh, Harry Styles. Dua, Lenta, these are two great examples, and I appreciate you bringing them to the forefront. Dua Lipa is fascinating to me and my wife because she makes great dance music. Like, we have family dance parties to some of those songs mm-hmm. in the living room, but she can't really dance. <laughs> Whenever she does live performances, she's kind of doing what I'm doing at the family dance party. and and so it's and uh we both me and my wife both agreed there's something charming about that like yeah it's relatable like you know she's she's not perfectly choreographed in the sense she's like yeah but she is she's she's in there she's in there i think she's in the mix and harry's in there for me Mm -hmm. the answer is bad bunny and it's not close Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny and it's not close. Wow. Now go go ahead. Like how explain. Bad is Bunny is um he's great. He's just so and I and it's I don't speak Spanish. I don't I don't know any of this stuff. Right. But I listened to uh Oasis, the 2019 album with Jay Balvin. That shit is dope. It's fucking great. He's he's got he's got a very elastic flow where he can switch it up in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. He's got great pop sensibilities. Yeah, to make big songs while not sacrificing what he's trying to do, he can go like reggaeton. He can go lots of different directions. He's had albums that are like very different directions from from each other. Collaborations with with interesting artists it always works it always fits it's because he's good at this he's really good at this he's a real smart inventive artist yeah i mean and i'm glad that you bring him up because i do think like i think the best pop in the world has become it's become more global like you look you look at like the k-pop k-pop is starting to take over that traditional space where you know the night yeah 100%. the late 90s early 2000 pop was uh and you know yep you so and they're doing it like they're over there they're like a they're like a factory man like the i was watching a documentary on one of the k-pop groups and they were talking about how they were developing one of the girl groups they they had got the girls when they were like nine or 10 years old and they had been working and training to be what they were for almost over a decade like russian gymnasts yeah yeah they're just not they're not doing that that type of pop and that type of training they're not doing that anymore here in the states but so i think you're seeing like a lot of you know like a lot of international scene music scenes are taking the reins of pop and kind of pushing it forward yeah you bring up a great point right um the and it made me think of the dr dre jimmy iovine 
documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, they're, they're interviewing like uh, Gwen Stefani. And he, and she says, he signed us and he stuck us in this little house. And he said, just keep making music in this little house. I'll bankroll it. And when you're ready, you're ready and we'll put it out. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing anything until you're ready. Right. He, they kept making music. They kept sending him. She said it was like seven years in this little house or something. Wow. And I mean, he was like, not ready yet, not ready yet. And then he was like, nope, you're ready now. And it was like the Tragic Kingdom super record they did, you know? Right. Um, those kind of star makers are gone, right? Those kind yeah. of back office people are gone because right. the industry isn't as healthy, right? They can pretend streaming is great. It's not great. Everybody knows it, right? Right. So the kind of people that develop talent are gone. Mm-hmm. There's no time to develop talent. There's no time. You're right. There's a sense of urgency. Yep. Yep. So the kind of back office people are gone that identify these these people. But you're right. It's international. I'm thinking Caliushis had that like hit number one record that was all in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's just a big, just big Des- I mean, Despacito. Despacito. Oh, yeah. That was 2019, right? That was the biggest record in America for 2019 uh and you know i mean it, yeah you're right the, there's not really like an american pop scene there's there's not really any development um you know it's like instant gratification like you know you make a single and they're gonna try to get it they're gonna try to get it to get it get it to blow and get it you know get streams off of it immediately from the game right no i mean it's like an inventive pop star is someone who can make anything work right yeah as an example you told me tomorrow headline comes out on twitter whatever headline comes out that's the oldest sentence in the world (laughs) um that uh, Bad Bunny is doing a song with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Mm. My first thought is that shit is going to slap. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be <laughs> right. Like I got no concerns. Right. Like Bad Bunny is too good at this. Like he's going to make that work. Right. Harry Styles doing a a song with Valerie June. It's just going to slap. Right. You don't miss. Right. Like that's you. You can have that faith. And a lot of those people are gone. They're gone. So, um, yeah. So we need need some of these elements. And I'm not even saying that the people we're talking, going to talk about are these people, but they have things I want those people to have. Okay. So which album struck you uh, the most, either bad or good? Which, uh, which of the three really struck, struck me the most? I think. So I'm looking. At, I'm looking at the three. I mean, I I think uh, L W and Taj and Taj and Taj and struck me the most, but for different reasons. Let's go uh, L W first. 
Let's go. Let's do the King Gizzard, dude. Yes. That was probably King that Gizzard was probably my Gizzard. favorite one. Man, that was like, probably the one that struck me the most. I did it. I did a review on their last album last year. And I was just like, look, they are their own worst enemy. Like that was that was my my take was like I listen to King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't hunt for albums or specific songs because their sound is their sound, right? And that's yes. it. you put it on, you're in their world, and that's it, right? Uh, but like I was like, they need to find a way to differentiate this content. They need to find a way to change this up so that it's not samey, right? It's it's not, uh, yeah. So that's that was, and I honestly I felt like they did that this album. I felt yeah. like this was the first album. I was really excited. I was like, man, this is these songs really are different. And they, they they differentiate from one another. Yeah. Just looking at it, and Pitchfork gave it an eight. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought the sequencing of of the album was really good. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And I like you said, they did the songs were were different, uh, but they were all within the same the same world. So it was a very it was a smooth listen to to get to it. Yep. No, it was, it was a smooth listen, but this one I it, it's interesting and I I have no idea if you're going to agree with me. I felt like this album has a song that is the center of it. Sometimes great rock albums are like this. Okay. Where one song ties the whole album together? Mhm. Yeah, um, I mean, I remember you that I, I think, you know, I think not only rock albums, but any great albums, because I've heard Kanye West use that similar same type of, you know, uh, concept that, yep. you know, he was looking for that one song that could make the, the album pop. That Yeah, and awful. sometimes it's the, the one that gives it its identity, right? Like, right, right. Uh, the, the one where like, this is kind of what we're going to explore. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it was track six, East West Link. Yes, East West Link is the most boldly like prog rock meets like Indian music. Yeah, I, I loved how they incorporated other international sounds so into just, their music. It was really heavily like that big prog rock guitar avalanche, mm-hmm. but meets like. Uh, you know classical indian sounds uh and that meeting of that was just was really unique and really special and i felt when you listen to it a few times like static electricity builds to that right track five supreme Mm -hmm. ascendancy gives you tastes of that track four right uh plura gets starts to get weird right in a different non-gizzard way, there starts to be elements of what you're going to hear later. And then after East-West Link, Ataraxia kind of breaks everything apart and reshapes it in a really yeah. Way. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of thought put into the, the sequencing. And I, I, I think that's why, you know, East-West Link hit so hard because of they, 
they deliberately built up to it and designed the album so it would build up to that moment. And I do want to mention, like, I just noticed that these guys, these guys are from Melbourne, Australia. Yup. Yep. So I mean, that's another international. And and to be clear, uh, while hunting on Bandcamp, a lot of my favorite rock stuff has come from Australia. Mm. Specifically, pop rock. Alex Leahy is somebody I really enjoy from Australia. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of lot of interesting stuff. Uh, the, the, what was that folk album I fell in love with last year? Stella Donnelly. Right. I think she's from Australia. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, there's all kinds of cool music happening out of Australia. Um, and so the other, and, and so there's, there's, I guess what I would say, so if I was just to tell you that is the theme of this, right? Each of these albums has something I want pop to have. Mm-hmm. What do you think LW has that that I want pop to maintain? I I think for me, I think what LW has is there's there's musicality to to it. It's not just electronic music or programmed uh, music. I think there's energy and there, I think their musical arrangements actually have like musical integrity to it. Yup. Uh, and I think like now nowadays in, and I'll say American pop, it, you just get, like you said, these formulaic sounds like, the, this very generic, like very, like they all, they all, it all sounds the same. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and there's a formula now, right? There's a formula you have to fit in mm-hmm. uh, to get it on the road. There's like a mathematics, yeah, to the songs, right? Max Martin has talked about this before. Um, famously, when he thought Lord's math was wrong on her single or whatever, um, but. Oh yes, the there's an organic musicality to it which you want to maintain. Right. But I would I would add a descriptor to that. Okay. I would say powerful organic music. Mu- like muscular, powerful, overwhelming, right? So like think about the first time you heard the White Stripes. Think about right. the first time you heard uh, the yeah yeah yeahs, right? Right. Maps and stuff, and and you were just like overwhelmed. You felt like too much. You're right. There, there's energy. There's a lot. There's a lot of energy. Like I think of no doubt, even no doubt. The first no doubt song that I heard was Spiderwebs. Yep. Even that was like you know muscular, energetic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. I, I think like the pop, the pop scene has also kind of, you know, veered away from that in a lot of ways as well. It's true. Uh, it's true. It's very toned down. Like, you know, I think of. I mean, I think probably the biggest, probably the biggest pop star on earth right now, 
Probably the weekend. I would go with the weekend. 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 That makes sense. I think that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and his his music can be still just not. I mean, it can be big and loud, but sometimes it doesn't have that energy. He's not known for having no. like that type of muscular energy that I think not you're talking guy, about. No. Right. Yeah. No. He's and he comes from like a hip hop sphere, right? Like yes. doing songs with Drake, doing mixtapes. Like I downloaded them on Datpiff. Like it's not, this isn't Sam Smith. Right. It's, this is one of, one of our guys, if I'm talking about like as a hip hop person, right? Yeah. Because um, I think nowadays hip hop people like hip hop is pop. Does that make sense? It's that's, all that, and that's hip hop saturated pop music. Back in the day, there was a difference. Pop people, hip hop people, they yeah. did not interact. Like pop journalists wouldn't mention hip hop unless they had to. Yeah. yeah, and and I think back in the day, like pop veered more towards alternative. Like you think of like the biggest star. You think of. I'm thinking like late nineties, I'm thinking Avril Lavigne, uh, Third Eye Blind. Yep. Uh, who else? Uh, Creed, um, those, those were the pop song. Those were the huge, huge hits uh, in America. Yep. But they nowadays, were. like you look at, you look at pop and Drake, I mean, Drake is, Drake has, is one, at the time that we're recording, it's one, two, three on the Billboard 100. Right. Um, Ariana Grande, who who started out pop. Well, I mean, she now she started out R and B, but she was they they considered her to be pop, and now she's veered into straight R and B. Right. Um. So like all of you know the the pop, the top pop, I guess you could say, is leaning in the hip hop hip-hop direction right and and yeah and so and and i and i love hip-hop and I'm, I'm support hip-hop obviously but i i want all the genres to be good right mm -hmm. and rock music needs to not lose this you know uh it's not just about the strength and power of the playing right right it's also about the weirdness of LW. Mm -hmm. LW is weird. <laughs> yes, it's, I would agree with that. It's got a weird cover. It's got really weird music videos. Um, the singing is generally strange. Like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are weird from the name to the cover to the songs. Mm -hmm. They're a whole separate universe. Hmm. And that's important. The algorithm makes it so everyone's got the same universe. Right. Right. So, I, I would agree with that, but I, I think that comes to... You know, with... Pot, it, it, like you said, I think it comes to development and having the space to be able to develop. Yeah. Uh, and having not only the space, but also, you know, like you said, like you were saying with No Doubt, 
they had space, but they also had resources to support them and, you know, give them, you know, a net safety net so that they could go out and really experiment and push their sound and find out what their identity was. Yep. And you don't, you're not getting a lot of that. You're not getting a lot of that in pop nowadays. Right. No, it was, you know, listening to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard is like watching Legion mm. on FX. Um, you just, it, it, things are really out there and you're not following it all the time, but you trust it. And by right. the end of it, you're completely gratified, right? By the, the end of this album, like when we talk about like muscular and strength and all that stuff, I want to be clear. The last song on this album is eight minutes and 28 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it isn't a bunch of like floaty intro outro stuff. It's rocking. KGLW is rocking. Um, this this album is really good at ending songs as well. Right. Static electricity is a beautiful, really shocking kind of end to it. Um, I really enjoyed that. That's part of the sequencing you're talking about is sticking the landing at the end of these songs. Yes. Yeah. And like one song, I did notice that like one song led perfectly to the next song. Like it was, there was a flow to it. I think that's one of the things that makes it like stand out is really good is that because they stick the landing so well at the end of the songs, that song doesn't sound like the other song. The other song sounds like an ending. That right. Sense? Right. So I agree. Yeah. It was, I was really surprised. I was looking it up and they had a video. They had like a really weird, really weird animated video uh, for one of the songs on this. And it's the first song. If not now, then when? Mm-hmm. Which I think of as like an intro to the to the album. Right? Yeah. Not, not necessarily. It's not like it may be, if you put that on, it might be hard to hear what they're saying when they start saying stuff, which is two minutes in. Yeah. To make that the lead single video was like, that is a King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard move. Um, right there. So Now, because I, I was just, while you were talking, I was, I was thinking of, of something and I'd like to hear your opinion on it. How do you think for me, like when 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 we talk about this, I it made me realize radio for pop isn't that strong. It's not, I mean, in today's time, radio is not the end all be all for 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 pop. Right. I I think I think streaming has really affected radio and impacted the way that we listen to music. What, what are your opinions on how streaming has affected the radio? So I, I think you, you, the way to think about the, ra- the radio, think of the radio as the coach. <clears throat> so really, like a coach on a great team with great players 
His job is mostly lineups. Who's he putting out? When? Mm. Right? How are your lineups? As streaming blew up and like the Spotify playlists became the thing to do, it put more pressure on the radio and the radio didn't handle it well. They kind of retreated into themselves and started just playing songs they knew were hits over and over and over and over again. Wow. They got less experimental. Under pressure. Wow. And so that's why you're you're feeling that like these albums that we're talking about, they might not hit the radio. Like, right? You may not right. hear any of this stuff on the radio. Um, and that's the radio's fault. These will be on title playlists, Spotify playlists for everybody to hear. No question. What? It's just about are you are you gonna play your bench or are you too scared to play your bench? Yeah, because I mean I was thinking I was at last year, you know, before COVID hit, I was at a bar and they played the song, you've heard the song semi-charm type of kind of life, right? Yeah, By yeah, Third yeah. Eye Blind. And I and I and I thought back and I thought today, like if that song was released in today's times, would it be as big a hit as it was? Because back in like 2020, you put that song on and everyone in the bar was like jamming to that song. Everyone knew like the chorus, everyone was like hyped for when it came on. Right. And then I, I just think like if that if semi-charm type of kind of life was released in 2020 or 2021, would that, would it be a hit? Mm. Timing is a big part of everything, right? So it's, it's hard to know. Um, but honestly, the argument can be made that it could have been a lesser hit and been healthier for their career. Mm. So, yeah. You could have gotten a chance to kind of move up incrementally in steps rather than right and then, and then go. Uh, there was a that era was populated with bands that had one hit and no one knew anything else, right? Like uh, they would ask people. There was I remember MTV interviewing people and being like, "So what are you? What's your favorite bands and stuff?" and People would be like, I like the sex and candy song. And yeah, like, Marcy Playground. Yeah. You'd be like, I don't know. Like, because uh, it's not like you can think of another song they did. Uh, no. That's it. And it's the bunch of them like that back then, right? Like, uh, that was how it was. But in, in today's environment where it's more customized, more siloed, maybe they get you know, a longer, more stable career. Right. I feel like that's how, the, like, the presidents of the United States would have had that, like, um, you know. You're, you're right. Like, their career would not get, like, their career would not get to the peak that it did, but it would have been a little bit more stable. It would have been <laughs> right. a little bit more solid. I agree with that. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair observation. So, yeah. No, it's, but so yeah, I wanted to be I wanted pop to stay weird, yeah, and challenge uh, what we what we're trying to do, like, I you know, 
when that when the band fun broke i didn't like it <laughs> right like i'm like man this band is just called fun <laughs> and the guy can't really sing but he knows how to do pop and like this is it this is all just kind of droning right it's not yeah. nobody's nobody's gathering anything the i w- was talking to my wife about it there's nothing as as exciting as like a really well-written pop song agreed a uh, really well-written pop song where like lyrically it's interesting and you're gaining from it but you're also just really enjoying how it rocks at the same time that's special um, absolutely and i don't want to lose that so yeah but we'll we'll get to that the um L, LW, what do, you, what do you think of the strengths of the band, the, the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? Uh, like you said, I think their sound is very unique. It's like we always say, like, I can't get, uh, I can't get their sound from any other band. So, so I have to go directly to them for that, for that right. sound, for that energy. Um, I thought, you know, the, the song sequencing was excellent. Um, I, I like that it was only nine songs as well, so it was very it was compact as well. Oh yeah. So it, uh, so it was just like it was the right amount of everything. There wasn't too little, too much. It was just right, the right amount. Of yeah, everything. and it is like uh, and and it's it's a it's a sound that used to be prevalent, right? This kind of '70s prog rock sound. Mm-hmm. It used to be like everywhere, but it died off. Right. And because it died off, they became like the guys left doing. It. I'm looking at at their Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. You know how many studio albums they have? No. 17. 17. That's more times than you've said sorry in your life. When when did their first one come out? 2012. They had 17 albums since 2012? Yes. Wow. Yeah, man. So nine years, 17. I mean that's it's about an album album and change every every year. Wow. Wow. So I mean you're you talk about sharpening your sword, right? You talk about like getting better. These guys are on like the Sonny Rollins plan of like, I'm doing this till I die, and I'm planning to get better. Um so good for them. Yeah. That this, that would make sense. That would make sense why it was this. You can tell, you can tell who's been in the the game for a while and understands what what their album should sound like or what what is a good album listening experience. I was gonna, yeah, that was about. I was about to say like, one of the reasons I'm always listening to King Gizzard the Lizard Wizard is I can just trust them, mm. right? There's no stress. Like these guys are experts. There's just nobody better, you know, like. Uh, you ever like I, I got a roommate who had a really great tattoo artist who was not just like 
a great tattoo artist, but like they had like a connection where the tat she could like understand what he wanted and just do it. <laughs> right. He, he was spending a lot of money on tattoos. <laughs> but why not when you have that kind of access? Right. Right? right. Like if they are this tattoo artist, right? They they know how to do this music. They're always getting better at it, learning new tricks. Um, so you can just kind of hit them up whenever they drop something. Yeah. And it works. Um, and this is like a real step forward, I think. So um, I'm into it. The question is, well, if someone was to, was to incorporate this into their pop sound, you'd have to water it down a little bit. Incorporate, incorporate what? If, if incorporate the weirdness, the organic musicality, right? The muscular nature of the guitar stuff, right? If they wanted to bring that kind of prog rock energy. They would, they would have to be sprinkling it, right? They wouldn't. You'd have to be careful with it because, you know, the eight minute songs are just not going to hit on the radio. You know. Yeah, you'd have to find a way to make it more accessible. I don't want to say dumb it down because that, like, you're right, make it more accessible to the person that isn't a fan of that genre. Right, right. We talk about that, like, what, the lemonade balance, right? Where, like, Southern lemonade is, 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 is a lot. And <laughs> if you're not ready for it, it can overtake you. Um, <laughs> So there's there's a balance to be struck. You know, <laughs> if you're in if you're in the proper company, give me some southern lemonade, I'm ready to rock. Right? <laughs> but right. depending on where you're at, you, you, there may be more water needed, you know, less sugar. Right. Yeah. So the what was I gonna do? Yeah. So the other one you said, which one was that? Was it Tazjan? Yes. Ooh. My favorite album title of the three. Yes, Tajan, Tajan, Tajan. Beautiful. It's it's, it's impactful, um, and it's it's part and parcel of what I really enjoy about this album. Right? Uh, how did you feel about the about the album? What struck you? I I liked him. I I really liked who he was as an artist. Uh, like, like I thought the LW was more musical for sure, but I thought this one was more personable. Yep. And I, I thought he did a great job of, you know, he did a great job of developing his, his, uh, what's the word I want to use? His are you know his his identity his voice, right? Uh, and I I I don't think that there's a lot of that in pop. There's not a lot of right now. There's not a lot of voices, mm. and by that I mean personnel. I guess personalities would be better better term. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of strong personalities. Yeah, no, it, it's. Um, I think that that's 
that's fair and it kind of goes towards what i'm talking about but yeah we if if somebody went up to me and said they're gonna make um uh, l lw by king gizzard lizard wizard into an opera or into a musical play i'd be like yeah that's then you can do that easy like mm-hmm. it you know the way the songs mix the way the sonics overwhelm yeah sure yeah. um Tazjan, Tazjan, Tazjan is about the writing. Yeah. The yep. writing is powerful and interesting. And um, my wife was talking about how he sounds like Tom Petty. Oh. But some of that I think is his voice, just how his voice works. Yeah. But I th- he definitely is very into the songwriting. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's he's very solid, very good songwriter. Um, and I think like, I think, you know, if you can write a good song, as I said, it, it helps develop your your personality. Like the, the person who I would compare him with is, and I don't know if, well, I don't think you'd consider her pop, but she pretty much is pop now. Would be like a Casey Musgraves. Ooh, okay, yeah, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like the angle that she comes at you, like you're expecting something, but the angle that she comes at you is such a surprise, and her voice and her writing is is so strong. Like it's it's developed. She's developed like a personality, and I think this this man has he has that potential. I think he has that same uh you know that same ability as well yeah and, and what i love about his writing and this is the t- tom petty similarity tom petty uh made songs with characters right stories right little stories mm-hmm. little interludes with characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the he cared deeply about the characters right Right. And he didn't. He didn't like. He didn't punk his characters just to make himself look cool. He cared a lot about what happened to the female characters in the story, uh, what formed them. You know how their parents were and all that, where they came from. Like mm-hmm. he cared about everybody he was writing about, uh, and you could you could feel the weight of it, right? Right. Um, and that's why he has songs that are. You know, when somebody, a really smart person told me um, that you you can consider Bruce Springsteen better than Tom Petty, but there are Tom Petty songs Bruce Springsteen couldn't have written. You said there are Tom Petty songs that Bruce, Bruce Springsteen couldn't write. Yep, yep. Agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. No, he never, I, he never I, like, uh, specifically like, Wildflowers by Tom Petty, uh, that kind of of long poetic chorus, yeah, was something Bruce could never do. Bruce what? was always about the like punchy fifties pop elements, mm-hmm. so his hooks were always just really like to the point, concise. You know, born in the USA. Yeah, because I mean, Bruce yeah. was a performer, or it, I should say, right. what well, is a performer? 
So he's got to think of how his songs are going to play in not even like concert halls, like stadiums. This right. man's selling out arenas and stadiums. So he's got to think about how, how his song is going to carry in that environment. Yep. Yep. And to be honest, like Tom Petty never wanted to be uh, anything like Springsteen. Right. He wanted to be like Dylan, you know? Right. Um, and, and we're not saying that Bruce Springsteen, like that, that that's a negative. That's just no, the path no, no. that Bruce, Bruce chose. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce curated himself in a very yes. specific way. Uh, and it made him really unique. Right. right. But all I'm saying is that path uh, that the Tazjan is on is similar in that way. But there's modern elements that I really enjoy about it right mm-hmm. um the feminine walk is a song i come back to a lot mm-hmm. and there's a really cool story i think in the middle of the song about like going to like um going to meet up with a drag queen and dancing all night and then going from there and falling in love with a girl who changes your life or whatever and it's just a really beautiful moment. It's a really beautiful yeah. moment where you're running into these characters and really saluting the impact they have. Um, and there's direct nods to like bisexuality, right? To yeah. like, um, you know, some, sometimes going with a girl, sometimes going with a boy. Yeah, I, I did notice that like when I listened to Sunday Woman, Yep. I think yep. there's there was almost like a play on words because the way he was saying sudden Sunday, it almost sounded like suddenly women as well. So he was definitely he definitely leaned into that uh, that energy. And and confidently, which is one of the reasons yes. I feminine walk, right? Because he's like he's talking about his feminine walk, but he's not he's not feeling guilty about it. He's not clowning himself. He's like, you know, I'm like Grace Jones, you know, like. Um, right. And, and like, I, like, I, you know, I think of like Harry Styles, Harry Styles is kind of, kind of leaning in that direction as well, but yeah. his, his is more, his leanings haven't started to show up in his music yet. I think it started to show up. He's all, you know, in his public persona, like you know, at the Grammys, he's wearing the boa. Yeah. I, I think he had a he had a a photo shoot for Vogue. I think it was for Vogue where he was wearing the dress or the kilt. Right. And so that you know, he's starting to veer that way in terms of his public celebrity, but that hasn't quite seeped into his music yet, in a way that it had it has definitely for this artist. Yeah, it's it's a centerpiece of of Tazjan, the Tazjan experience. Yes, um, and I and I, with with Harry, it might be he might be one of the youngsters who's like form fully formed in a post like a post binary gender world, right? So he's like fully wow. spectrumed out, right? Right. So he, he might not even be thinking about it like that, you know, of like. He's just, this is just how I roll. I don't even, I'm not thinking like, am I bi? Am I straight? Like, he's just mm-hmm. rolling, you know? Um, and, you know, good on him. So, right. 
but yeah, Up All Night is a smash. That's like a super fun song. Um, and but at the same point, later on, dude, not that bad. It's really sad. Yeah, and that's the second to last song too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, super interesting moods here. Don't don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cartoon music is, yes. is really love that biting, movie. really biting, and really like just you know. There's vengeance to be had. There's great, um, yeah. and and to go from that to feminine walk to like Dada Boys, oh, <laughs> Dada Boys is so great. Yes, and, and, and Computer of Love. I was really growing on me. I really like Computer of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, I. I just, this is what I'm saying here. I don't want pop to lose specificity in the writing. I don't want it to lose that. It's really exciting to hear a pop song for the seventh time and catch new lyrics in it that you didn't hear before. That recontextualize the song. Specificity. As in specific to... The artists, like, what do you mean by specific details within the songs, right? Hmm. Details as to what the song means, right, and what it's about, and what the characters are doing within it. You know, there was a what was it? Like, there's the the big people say in pop that like the verses don't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody's right. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. So like it's all about the hooks. It's uh, all about the hooks, hooks the hooks and the tricks, and, and let me. And what I mean by tricks is like like we were talking about with hip hop, where you know Kanye West says, and you know you see it with Drake as well, where they know they have to put like moments in the songs and the the verses that people connect to. Like I think of Lizzo. You know you think of Lizzo. Uh, her big year was 2019, and what was that song? Why are men great till they gotta be great? What do you know? You remember the uh, name yeah, of the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But she had the moments juice? in that song. The juice? What, what was the name of it? The Juice? No, not the Juice, but Juice, well, yeah, that album. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But, but she know, but nowadays with pop, like with Lizzo, she knows the little tricks. She knows the things that are going to, you know, the, that people are, when they're in the club or they're, they're in the bar, they're going to sing. Right. Uh, so you're right. There needs to be, there, need, there, there needs to be a level of specificity that, you know, we've got to maintain. The specificity in the writing and the details of the writing gives the music your perspective, not anyone else's. Mm. Right? Mm. So, like, as an example, with Lizzo, I think her production is a little bit tedious, right? Like, I don't think there's a lot to be had there. But the way her mind works, the way her songs form is, is different and it's interesting. Right. And I don't know what she's gonna say, um, and it's wonderful. 
it's a wonderful experience, right? Uh, that is, you you need that, you know. The uh, it's what's sustained people like Erica Badu and stuff like that, whether they had pop hits or didn't, right? You you could only get that writing perspective from them. I see what you mean. I, yeah, I mean. Like, yeah, I always like, thought that I always thought that Taylor, when she came out, when she was getting, when she was ascending to the throne that she's at now, I guess you could say, I always thought that that was one of her, that specificity was one of her talents and one of her songwriting gifts in a way that she could write in a way that really was personal, yet a lot of people could connect with. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think at this point she goes in and out of that, but yeah, that's that's fine. Um, the one I was gonna the one I was gonna bring up is I mentioned Badu. Mm -hmm. Her last album was really good. Uh, it was a mixtape. It was called "But You Can't Use My Phone." Yep, I remember. Yeah, all about phones, and there's a song on there positively brilliant dude i could do an entire state of the game on it it's called phone down and there's and it's and it's about kind of being in a romantic situation with a partner and they're on their phone all the time mm -hmm. and she and she's like i can make you put your phone down <laughs> and as only badu can do there's like an implied seductive element to it right right like, you don't, like, that never gets stated, but is there? She's brilliant. Like, and it's her, her the way her brain works informs the details in the songs, informs the way you hear it, right? Right. I, she yeah, I, I, I just think it's interesting because what I was thinking about was that, you know, to get onto the radio nowadays, an artist has to try. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you, you mentioned Badu, and I thought, you know, like Badu, the reason Badu was able to make that song was because, like, look, she wasn't, she wasn't intending to make a radio hit or anything like that. She just wanted to make a really good song. Yep. And I think for nowadays, like I think artists have a mindset. It's more of like, particularly in the pop realm, they think, okay, for this song, they think of like, for this song to be a hit on the radio, this is what I need to do. It, it's a lot more inorganic than a lot of the other, the other yeah. fields, the yeah. other genres, I should say. Yeah. By the way, to go back to Tazjan, 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 11 songs. Yeah. Uh, none of them are more than four minutes-ish. Mm -hmm. I think the longest is four minutes, 19 seconds. It, it, it's really punchy. It's really good. It's really listenable. Every song's about something different. Uh, he doesn't have a world-beating voice or anything like that. Um uh, but he's super talented at using what he has. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I, he's got a personality. I think that's even more important. Yep. No, I, I uh, so let's move on to my least favorite title of the three. Uh, I was like the moon and the stars. I'm like, I right, fine, moon and the stars, whatever. And then colon. I'm like, oh no, colon. <laughs> oh, we're doing more prescriptions. I was like, oh, you're killing me. You're gonna regret this. Prescriptions for dreamers. Oh, go oh, get get a, enough. Get over yourself. Make it stop. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, don't don't do that. Don't do that. None of that. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> no, but anyway, um, Valerie June's been around. Uh, she's, you know, singer songwriter. I think from Memphis. I think she's yes, Tennessee, star. Tennessee bred. Yeah. Um, she's she's been on like the folk Americana circuit. You know. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, Tennessee bred singer songwriter. Uh, this is to me like the most pop thing I think she's ever had. Okay. And I think she knows it, right? If you look at the cover, like there's no mistaking <laughs> what she's trying to do here. Right. Uh, this is her shot. And she I, I think she should take her shot. Right. Uh, my wife was very unkind to Valerie June over the course of me listening to Valerie June. Um, <laughs> she said that her voice sounds like when my son is like tired and whining and wanting stuff. <laughs> She's like, no. Nah. <laughs> That there's like a, a pleading to it, you know? Very mean I, of her. I didn't say it. Uh, it's interesting. It's an yeah. interesting album. I like it more than her other albums because there's more punch. There's more of a, like more of a big screen flavor like to be honest just to put it out there um uh, pop needs valerie june more than folk and americana does folk and americana has all kinds of cool uh singer songwriter writers with interesting voices absolutely stuff it's loaded man it's good they're doing good pop needs valerie june yeah um so, did anything strike you about this album? I thought, like, I, I think that she is, she's talented. I thought album-wise, this was probably the most bloated and poorly sequenced of the three albums. Uh, I mean, four, it's 14 tracks. Uh, yes, African Proverbs only 27 seconds, but the rest of the songs are all pretty, pretty lengthy. Yep. Um, and it, it was just, I, I didn't think it was the best showcase for her talent. 
and I, I thought like it just veered, it, it veered wildly. Like I, like some of the tracks felt like, like you said, the folk Americana sound. And then she would go, she would, she would transition to the sound that had like some hip hop drums in it. Uh, right. And something that was a little bit more poppier. And it was kind of, it was kind of jarring to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's weird because I, the first listen, I was just really struck by it and loved it and was really excited about talking about it. And then as I listened, I think it was today when I really honed in on what I think, because I, let me see, has, has Pitchfork, Pitchfork reviewed this. Um. I just think it's a little bit, it's a little bit soft at the beginning. Mm. Yes. Um, it, so 7.4, they give it a 7.4. It, it, it's not, it's, you can hear her ambition and you could hear her trying to, uh, you know, experiment with her sound and try to, sing over different types uh, of musical landscapes, but the, the cohesion and the sequencing is not there for me. So she's not quite able to pull it off. Right. No, well, so yeah, I mean, if, I think there are songs that are just perfect on here. Yeah. Right. So we, we like to talk three song sequences, right? Mm-hmm. Three song sequence on this is Call Me a Fool, Fall In, and Smile. Let me see. Call Me a Fool, Fall In, and Smile. Yeah, seven, eight, nine on yes. the on the other. Yes. That is the that is the meat, right? But and I like colors a lot too. Uh, but Stardust Scattering isn't that interesting you and i isn't all that interesting stays fine like it's soft at the top right right and it's right yeah it, it really doesn't catch till like till that you know seven eight nine uh yeah within you i really like uh but and there's there's different moods on it but the moods don't always connect to your point. Right. That like she's ambitious. I'll give her credit. She's ambitious. But the sequencing, like the other two albums, the sequencing was much better. The albums were tighter. Right. There, this was just for it was just too all over the map for me. For me to just be able to relax and really get into it. Right. Yeah, no, it's the same. The same way the title is a little sloppy. Yeah, the album's a little sloppy. <laughs> but the album is it has interesting shit going on, right? Absolutely. You know, you can listen to some of those like "Call Me a Fool" and you're like, "Oh, this is a great classic song." But if you listen to what she's talking about, she's talking about you know drinking herself to sleep every night. Um, and how people talk about her regarding that. Like she's dealing with real personal shit here. Right. Um, 
and it's it's great. It's just that it's magical and sparkly at times, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Right. Uh, but I think she has because she's she has the, the Tennessee voice, right? Right. I think she has the potential. Um, and this is this is I'll let me get into what she what I want Pop to maintain that I don't want it to lose, right? And that is a voice that stops time, right? And she hits that on that seven eight nine, right? Um, a voice that stops time. Like an important pop voice that sounds like it's every genre. Like you could put seven eight nine on this album on for country listeners and they love it. Mm. You could put okay. it on for people who like, you know, I don't know, just love outlaw country or whatever. But like okay. Like, you mean like a Whitney Houston? Like you mean is that like you mean like big voice yes, in that? Yes. You could you could put this on for R and B people, they'd be like, that shit goes, right? Um when she's at her best, she can hit a space um that's very emotional that, that connects in a very direct way. That Taz J can't do because he doesn't have a voice, right? Right. The phys right, the physical tools to do it right yep you know i i huh. that's a i that's a fair that's a fair point i think pop is really missing i mean there's not like you know i go back to 90s pop and i think of you know, you think of like a Christina Aguilera, you know, like that, whose voice was, you know, like you said, like she had some songs where she would stop, like she would have musical moments where time would like stop, like her voice was. Right. And we don't really have that in, in the American pop sphere now. There's no, there's no talent. Well, I would say the closest thing that we have to that in pop right now would probably be Billie Eilish. Okay, that's but, it. But she, but she leans more, she's, she's known as pop. Right. But she leans more towards that hip hop. Hip hop dance kind of thing, yeah. Sound. So, um, yeah. So it, it's hard, she hasn't really had any song like you know rush she i think she has the hardware to do like a song like mm -hmm. like you're talking about yeah but she just hasn't she just hasn't gone in that direction i don't know if she will either yep no it's i was one of the problems i always had with beyonce was that she's lauded for the voice she has the voice but it's always kind of seemed too perfect like RoboCop, yeah. it's like it's too perfect, which is why I was very angry when she was cast as Etta James in Cadillac Records, because I was like, no, Etta James had a had a much 
different voice, right? Her voice was was way too manly for the time, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I'm not talking out of school. Listen to Carmen McRae, Ella Fitzgerald, the people before that, right? They were, they were, it was that like jazz singer, post Billie Holiday kind of thing, right? Right. And she wasn't going to do that. She no. had a, a big, you know, strong uh, voice that was not ladylike. And it was unique. It was different. It was weird. And that's what made it stop talking. And that's like what I thought of listening to 789 on Moon and the Stars was Dusty Springfield. Mm. Remember the strength through frailty, right? Right. A frail voice that can show you its strength by overcoming its own frailty. Yeah, I mean, I think you need you need your soul to be, I think what people connect with, with singing is, you know, it feels like people are sharing their soul with you when they're like the good singers. Like I, I think of like a Nina Simone yep. who maybe didn't, I shouldn't say maybe didn't have, she had a very strong voice and she was a great singer, but there was, there was, it wasn't perfect. Like no one would look at her and be like, that's the textbook singer, like her textbook singing voice. I think she allowed enough space for her personality and her soul to seep out through her voice. Yeah, I, she was she was a genius at her own voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yes. So like uh, she has one of the, she has all these covers that are just the best versions of these songs, right? Right. Um, so and, and her knowing intuitively like I put a spell on you would be my song, you know? Uh, being able to connect with that song, it's it's brilliant, you know? And then to take a song, uh, one of my favorites was this really cheesy 50 song called Cherish. Mm-hmm. And she does an unbelievable cover of it. Um, she's, she, she just was a genius at her own voice. Yeah. And, it was, and it's so unique that it survived all these decades. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't think Beyonce, Beyonce, like you said, Beyonce is the consummate performer. Yeah. And she, she's she been, she, like, to go back kind of to what I was saying about K-pop, Beyonce's been in the music industry since she was eight, nine. You know what I mean? So she is polished. She's been in that, she's been grinding since she, before she was a teenager. Right. And so she, she's been working on her weaknesses. She's polished everything that she, that there is to be polished. She's done that for, for decades. Uh, so yep. that when you polish something so much, like it doesn't allow kind of for your soul or for, for your flaws to kind of seep out through through the singing. Right. And and I think she's kind of like a victim to that. Yep. No, I think there's 
what I want for Valerie June is mm -hmm. to get with a producer who can really whittle this down. Yeah. Yeah. Who can really like create a concentrated version of this. Um, yeah. And someone who's a little more practical so we can ground some of this stuff. Because yeah. um, it's, it's very floaty. And very like kind of, I don't know, like Glenn to the Good Witch vibes from Wizard of Oz. It's like, yeah, it's just it's just unfocused. She needed, she needs a producer that can, like you said, ground her, and put together a cohesive musical statement uh, through the albums. Pick a just pick a direction and go in that direction. Yeah, maybe you know, like. What about like Rick Rubin? That would be interesting. Like, yeah, Rick I'm Rick Rubin is. I mean, his his talent is knowing what needs to be there and what doesn't need to be there. So on the song, the Rick Rubin game of these three artists, which one of them would you send to Rick Rubin? Has, has Rick, Rick's never worked with like an R&B singer, has he? Or like a singer-singer? I don't know. Singer. I, don't know. I know that he's working. I, I heard a song that he did with Imagine Dragons. A uh, couple of, <laughs> maybe it was even last week. Last week. Nope. That was pretty interesting. Uh, so who would I think of the three? Yeah, I, I think he would do, let me, all right, let me pull. I think, I'd love to see what he would do with Valerie June. Yeah. But I, I think he would do well with Aaron Lee Tash. Yep. Oh, yeah. Tash. I mean, it's, so firstly, it wouldn't be King Gizzard, Lizard Wizard, because to be honest, I don't think they need anybody. Right. <laughs> I think they're fine, right? Right. Uh, this, this album is called LW. Because their la their album last year was called KG. Mm. King Gizzard, Lizard Wizard. Like <laughs> they're just doing it, man. They're just cranking them out, you know? Mm. Uh, and I think they're doing fine. Um, I think Taz Jan would definitely benefit. Uh, but and he would be like the guaranteed one, right? Right. Like, that album's gonna be great. Um, the Valerie June is a little bit more of a gamble. But the ceiling's higher. Yeah. Because of her, the uniqueness of her voice, because of all the capabilities that she brings to the table. Um, so, yeah, that's the Rick Rubin game, man. Yeah. So, this is our 50th show. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to think back with it and talk to you about what you think your favorite uh, your favorite episodes have been. Oh man, I mean, this was, there's been so many, it's like a, the past year has it's just been like a blur for me, but some of the episodes that I really liked, last summer we did a show uh 
it was the it was we did it was like a, it was a week where John Legend, uh, what's her name, Tiana Taylor, yep. and then who else? There was it was a third person, maybe even Wizkid. Was it Wizkid? I forgot. There was a show we did last summer that was really it was like a solid R and B show uh, that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed our Gil Scott Heron. Tupac show. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, was it, what was the thirty? Oh, state. Okay, so state of the game, volume thirty-one, the event. Ariana Grande. Oh no, sorry. Uh, Busta Rhymes. Yep. Wiz Kid. And yeah, Ariana Grande. That was okay. I remember that one too. Yeah. Yep. That was good. What what who was the third artist on the uh so it was I think it was in it was either June or July. So it was John Legend, Tiana Taylor. John Legend. State of the game 12. Let's see what we got. John Legend, Tiana Taylor. Ooh, we did four. Wale, the imperfect storm. Yes. <laughs> Mayhem Loren, Harry Fraud. Yes. 2.0. That was that was a great one. That was great. I mean, the ones I was thinking about were like because it's there's albums you remember, right? When you mm-hmm. when they came out and you were just like, oh my god. Um, and when Descendants of Cain hit, yeah, and. We just both knew that was really special, right? Right. And we digging into that was like was it was just one of those like amazing seasons of prestige television. <laughs> that was one of the early shows, right? That that must yeah, have been. Yeah, it was the... like it was like The Watchmen on HBO or something. You're just like, holy shit, what's gonna happen? <laughs> like, it was so good every time I listened to it. Um, there was so much there. There's yeah. so many lyrics pulled. Um, I mean, the Unknown Infinite with Amani and King Vision Ultra. Yeah. We covered that. Um, I thought the Billy Woods, the, the Billy, I think we did an episode when Billy Woods released his last album. Oh, uh, anime. Amber? What was it? Anime and. Oh no, Open Mike Eagle. Open right? Mike, Open Mike Eagle, yes. Anime Trauma Divorce, and that was the same week as Homeboy Sandman. Yes. Trauma. Yep, yep. That was a great show, too. That was crazy. It was a lot to do. Um, the Fat Tony episode was a bucket list thing. Yeah. Because I mean my love for Devin the Dude is, is very deep. Mm-hmm. And and he's so cool, and I've always really enjoyed his stuff. Um, and for to be able to just go that deep into Houston, and I love Houston, uh, was so fun. Like, yeah. So- yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we've reviewed a lot of, a lot of albums, a lot of projects in the last year. The year end show was great. The year end show was great. Phenomenal. The, the, the end, the end of the year with the lists. Um, we just we went over a lot of stuff and yeah. 
the cool part was like we had built a world by then so mm -hmm. it wasn't weird to us that whiz kid was so hot right right we were like yeah makes sense whiz kid you know absolutely uh, because when we first heard that episode ariana busta whiz kid the whiz kid smashed everything oh, right smashed everything yep. And that bust album is huge. It's an event album. It's it's there's so much there, but the whiz kid is flawless. Yeah, and like you said, Ari Ariana Grande is arguably the biggest pop, the biggest female pop star, right and it now. Was the best album of her career, right? It was yeah. like clearly a huge step up, and it was it was like no, whiz kid's just in his groove and he's just better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was excellent and. Yeah, there's a lot of surprises over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm, I'm having a great time with it. Um, we got we got to really, oh, we got to talk about the other one that I really liked. The group uh, rap one. You remember this? Ooh. Group we rap one. Rap groups. Uh we talked about rap groups uh, and how like they were was it was I think we talked about run the jewels. Okay. Uh, oh Armand Hammer, right? Yes. Um and with the Oh, it's starting. It's starting to come back to me. Gifted Gab and who's the other lady? Gifted Gab. It's the, the I'm thinking yellow. The color yellow is that? Blimes Brixton, Blimes and Gab. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Blimes and Gab, Armand Hammer, and Rose is on like the same episode. It was so cool. We're just talking about like all these groups that were really making noise and really great. And I was just so happy to to do that. Yeah. So happy to have that back. You know, two voices bouncing off each other. It's it's just different. Oh. I loved it. Um, so that was that was cool. Um, any other guests that you've enjoyed? We've had some. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Fat Tony was was great. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I've enjoyed the other two guests as well. We've only had like three guests, right? Well, shout out to Kyle for the uh, for the oh Kyle. Taylor Swift, yes. the Taylor Swift. Yes, you could have done that without him. That folk folklore when folklore came out. Yeah. Yep, yes, I remember that show. Yeah, yeah, no, we did, and he came through for. Uh, our boy, the British sad guy. Oh, uh, King Cruel. Yes, King Cruel. Yep. So, yeah, no, we've we've had some great guests. Dunce Cap was just great. Yeah. Uh, with idea, we love that. Um, so that was, we had some really cool stuff, and hopefully more to come. Mm -hmm. Um, get some recommendation corner going on here. All right. We so we had um 
I'm not, I just want to renew. Um, we had our Roots Roundtable. Went really well. Loved it. Um, mm-hmm. Covered a lot of ground. Um, and there's already people... There's already uh, a talk about another roundtable that centers around kill a priest. Hmm. I'm not familiar Uh, with kill a priest. Madman, madman. Absolutely insane. Um, Yeah. He has he has a lot of albums, um, and he has he's been around since the '90s with Kill with with uh, Wu Tang. He was in Sons of Man, um, but he broke off, did his own solo thing, and he's still cranking out amazing shit. Like this year, he had two last year. Um, Rocket to Nebula, which got a lot of love, and then he followed that into the year with the third eye in Technicolor with Jordan Riverbanks. Mm. That is the one I will recommend. Third eye in Technicolor. That one is awesome. Uh, he's just he's full of biblical references, crazy conspiracy theories. There's one point where he says that he thinks mushrooms or squids came from mushrooms or vice versa. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's, he's just incredible. There's lots of wordplay, lots of plays on words, jokes that you might not even get to later. Just a a deep mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And still at it, still doing it the same way he did it in 98 when he released his first solo. So, and it when you get older in the business and you've been in there a while, I think people stop wanting to cover you because they're like, I've written the review of you already. Right. Where's the new kid? Um, So for him to still be at it uh, and grinding like this is amazing, and I'm reaching out some really high level really good people uh, to talk to. So that would be cool. Mm-hmm. We will see. This all comes together. Uh, shout out to them. And once I get, if I hit 400 followers, K-Diggy, then and only then, I will post on Twitter and maybe Instagram a part of my screenplay that I wrote years ago. <laughs> All right. I was referencing like writing screenplay in this uh, Sleep Sinatra interview that's getting a lot of love. Um, and it's, it's a great interview, one of the best I've, I've been a part of. And somebody was like, I, I really want to check your screenplay now. And I was like, yeah, you know, but if I get to 400, I will post a, I'll post a bit of it. <laughs> Little T. All right. You yep. heard him. Yep. It's where a friend fights his other friend who's a ghost. So it's good times. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. 
stay safe out there, people. Uh, yeah. Don't go to concerts or any silly shit like that. Just uh, keep it real with your people. Find music. Oh. Hey. Oh.